You are listening to the teaching ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Be sure to join us for one of our four Christmas gatherings, Friday the 23rd at 7 p.m., Saturday the 24th at 4 p.m. and 5.30 p.m., and Sunday the 25th at 10.30 a.m. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for what, uh, what an awesome God you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you at this time of year that we're reminded that, that your love led you to send your son to this earth. And Father, we're so grateful for that gift. Help us understand more deeply the depth of your love. Help us grasp what that means to our lives and how that should impact us. And Father, we're thankful for your word and how that through Scripture we can read these stories and how that your word is so deep and full that no matter how many times we might have read a story, we can see something new every time we read it. And I pray, Father, today that you will just allow that to happen in our hearts. And I pray for you to guide me and that your spirit will give me the words to say so that this story will be very fresh in our hearts and our minds. We love you, God, and we thank you mostly for your son, Jesus. Help us celebrate him today. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, as I shared, we as a church uh, honor and respect God's word in a great way. In fact, we're committed every time that we meet as a church, whether it be in gatherings like this on the weekend or whether it be in one of our small groups that meet uh, throughout the week in homes or in various public venues, we're committed to always making sure that we read from God's Word when we're together. And, and, and with that said, I, I want to begin with a passage that I think helps us see the purpose of Scripture. So if you have your Bibles or just want to follow along in the message insert, if you could look at Romans chapter 15. And by the way, if you've got some open seats near you, I've got to see some people trying to find some seats as they come in, so maybe uh, let them know that there's room for them and, and we'll make room for them. Kind of wiped out some of our seating because of the, the way the set is designed here, but hopefully everybody can get a seat where they can see. But in Romans 15 verse 4, we see the purpose of Scripture. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We hope this morning that you will be encouraged and find renewed hope in a very uh, important underlying theme of the Christmas story. As you came in, you probably saw on your seats a a little postcard invitation to this message series and what we're focusing on this month entitled Unwrapping Christmas. 
And throughout this series of messages, we've been seeking to discover some of the important themes that are sometimes missed this time of year. And literally every week of this series, we've unwrapped a present up here on stage to try to unveil a little bit more this story. The first weekend of the series, we unwrapped a a box of invitations. And in that, we read that week about the promised birth of John the Baptist. John was born six months before Jesus was born, and, and in many ways throughout his life, he was the forerunner of the one that we worship, Jesus Christ, and he came to invite the entire world to, to, to recognize that the Messiah was coming and to learn and to follow after him. Then the uh, next week, and, and by the way, as we, we think about invitation, I just want to use this opportunity. You, uh, on the postcard, you saw not only the titles of each weekend, but also you saw our four weekend worship, uh, our four Christmas worship gatherings uh, the day before Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, and then even on Christmas Day. And we want to encourage you to be uh, making plans to come back for that, but also be thinking of who you can invite. Uh, because we'd love to have great crowds at all four of those gatherings as we celebrate Jesus in a special way. Last weekend, we unwrapped a Christmas plate, and you can see it on display up here on on the bookshelf. And, And that reminded us that during the holidays, we have some special opportunities to gather with family and friend, maybe co-workers at, at uh, Christmas parties. But it's a time, we, we, we talked about the importance of truly being present in those moments. We took our cue from Mary and how she was truly present with her relative Elizabeth, the mother of John, and we learned some lessons from that. Today, we want to unwrap another present that I have up here as we continue to dig into this story. And the present that we're unwrapping this weekend is a photo album, okay? There's a red ribbon in here because there's some interesting things in this photo album that we want to make sure that we mark. And so we're going to talk about what does a photo album have to do with the Christmas story? Well, let's see. Because as as we enter into this story... In fact, as we look at what one of the gospel writers, how he began his telling of the Jesus story, he begins by helping us see a picture of Jesus' family history. So if you have your Bible or a Bible app, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Now, Matthew uses the telling of Jesus' family history to be a very creative way for us to get a a fresh perspective of this story. We're going to read from it, uh, this from a very easy-to-read version. In fact, that's what it's called, easy-to-read version. And, um, and yet, I, I think that it's important for us to, to make sure that we don't get caught in all the, the listing of names and, and genealogies. You see, this is, this is my concern uh, we have some free Bibles out in the lobby at the New Living Translation. 
And you know, Matthew is the very first book of the New Testament portion of the Bible. That's the part of the Bible that tells about the life and the teaching of Jesus. And I wonder how many people have picked up a New Testament and thought, okay, I want to learn a little bit about the Bible. I want to learn a little bit about this Jesus I've heard about. And they start reading in the very first chapter of the first book, Matthew, and they get to this listing of names and genealogies, and, and depending on what translation they're reading from, maybe the translation they're reading from, it's so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And they think, I don't even know who these people are. And I wonder how many people have got discouraged in the first 17 verses of, of the first chapter of the New Testament and think, I, I just can't get what the Bible's all about. I think that's a shame because really there, that's, you know, a very small percentage of the Bible is a listing of genealogies. Yes, there are those listings in it. But actually, in many ways, Matthew is trying to help us see something very important for each and every one of us that is important for us to take to heart in this Christmas story. Let's, let's read it together in Matthew 1, verse 1. It says, this is the family history of Jesus, the Messiah. He came from the family of David, who was from the family of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Now, if we were to keep reading the unfolding of this family history, we would see that Matthew points out that Jesus comes from a very important family line of heroes of faith, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who were the ancestors of the Jewish people. The gospel writer also makes it clear that that Jesus is from the family line of King David, which puts him in the right family lineage to be declared the coming Messiah. Or, that's the Hebrew term, Messiah, the Greek equivalent for that word is Christ. It literally means the anointed one. So when we say Jesus Christ, we're not saying Jesus is his first name, Christ is his last name. Christ is a title, Messiah, King. Sometimes in Scripture it reads Christ Jesus, that means King Jesus. Matthew wants to make sure we understand Jesus comes from a long line of kings. As important of truth as that is, we want to focus the rest of our time on a part of this family history that can easily be hidden from us, from just a quick cursory reading of this genealogy. In verses 3 through 6, we're introduced to some interesting and maybe yet not as familiar names. Verse 3, it says, Judah was the father of Perez, and Zerah, their mother, was Tamar. Verse 5, Solomon was the father of Boaz, his mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, his mother was Ruth. Verse 6, David was the father of Solomon, his mother had been Uriah's wife. Now, there are two very important observations to take from these three verses. The first is that it was uncommon in that period of time for women to be listed in the family history. That just wasn't the case back then. And yet Matthew records four women in Jesus' genealogy. 
The second observation is each of these women's names listed in parentheses are, are reminders of some scandalous events in Jewish history and within Jesus' own family line. These names would have brought to memory for the Jewish audience uh, that would have first heard Matthew's reading of his gospel, reminders of mistreatment of women, dishonesty, prostitution, incest, lust, adultery, deceit, and murder. Matthew includes all those in the listing of Jesus' family history. It seems to me like Matthew, the gospel writer, is going out of his way beyond what is customary to make sure that we are reminded of these tragic moments in Israel's history. And as we're seeking to unwrap the Christmas story this year, we have to ask ourselves, why? Why did Matthew go to such lengths to make sure that we're reminded of some of these sad moments in Israel's history. Could it be that Matthew is reminding us that Jesus was born into a sinful world within an imperfect family line and he came to bring forgiveness, salvation, and hope to people who at times live messed up lives. This week I had an opportunity to sit down with a special group of people here at Southwest. And as we sat around the table, we began to talk about our own personal family history. I want to share with you what I discovered just from that relatively small group of people. I discovered in that group of people's family history, uh, there was a Native American princess. There was also a Revolutionary War deserter, a moonshine distributor, a distributor of stolen cars and stolen car parts, numerous unexpected teen pregnancies and and babies born outside of marriage, even unknown family members, only just a rumor that there were family members that existed due to extramarital affairs. Strained relationships through ugly divorces, drug dealers, shame of having family members imprisoned or possibly in rehab for alcohol or drug addiction, family shoving matches over the holidays, and even the police being called to family gatherings. Wow, that's a lot of stuff from a small group of people. And by the way, those stories all came from our ministry staff. A number of those are from my family. And some of you might say, wow, that's your ministry staff? You, you got a messed up group of people leading in this church. But the truth is, I think that's a, that's a perfect group of people to leave a, lead a bunch of imperfect people. You see, we all have imperfect messes in our past and in our family's history. None of us are perfect. None of us come from perfect families. 
None of us are immune from sin and the devastating effects that sin brings into our lives and into our families. And possibly Matthew is even preparing us for the, for the bottom line of Jesus' lineage that his conception took place prior to his earthly parents being married. You see, even in his fam- immediate family situation, it was messy, it was complicated, it was, it was a bit scandalous, and it could have been open to accusation and gossip. At the end of this messy family line, Matthew writes, Jacob was the father of Joseph. Joseph was the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus is called the Messiah. As we began our time together, we read that Scripture was written to give us hope. So what's the hope in all this? What's the, what's the message of hope that's embedded in this family history of Jesus? Well, possibly the hope found in the genealogy is best summarized by a passage that's recorded later in Scripture in 1 Corinthians when we read these words, this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Jesus came into a world that was caught up in foolish pursuits and was in fact weak and powerless He came to a world that was messed up and he came through a family line that at times was messy. He came for people who at times live messy lives like you and like me. And yet the hope and the good news from Jesus' family tree, it was that it was God's foolish plan, if in quotations, that that Jesus the Messiah would come in weakness through a family that at times had scandalous behavior so that the whole human race could find forgiveness, mercy, and strength. As one pastor and writer put it, Jesus' family tree reminds us that God is not shocked by our worst moments. The scandal of redemption is the redemption of scandal. As we conclude our time together reading from God's Word, and as we've concluded these thoughts of the hope that's found even in this listing of genealogy and listing of family names, we're going to observe a time of communion. And during this time, while some music's being played, the bread will be passed, and, and we want to invite you to take a piece of that bread. And also, tray with cups of juice will be passed. And as you take the bread and as you take the cup, let's be grateful that God had a plan to send His Son to the earth. And the bread reminds us that 
that this plan is real, that this is, this, this is a true historical event, that Jesus was born and he lived on this earth. But as we take the cup, let's remember that the other end of this story is that Jesus, yes, he was born and he was placed in a manger, but later he was placed on a cross. And he went to the cross to forgive us, to forgive us all of the scandalous things in our past. Yes, it's scandalous that the Son of God would hang on a cross. But I'm so grateful that he was willing to do that so that I could be forgiven, so that you could be forgiven. Let's rejoice in this scandalous plan that God had to forgive us all. Let's bow together. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your your generosity of sending your son to this earth. Jesus, we thank you for being willing to become nothing and come to this earth as a, as a servant and to eventually die for us on the cross. Thank you for that. Thank you that through your sacrifice and your love, we can be forgiven everything we've ever done that is wrong and sinful and even at times scandalous. Thank you for your amazing grace and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to Southwest Church Teaching Ministries. We are a community of people committed to following Jesus and making disciples. Please join us for one of our three weekly gatherings, Saturdays at 5.30 p.m., Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11.15 a.m.